In November this year, it will be 31 years since the fall of the Berlin Wall. I was a teenager when that happened and I can remember it like it was yesterday. People glued to their television sets watching history unfold. The East and the West um, ran together to the, uh, the gates of the city where it had been divided with this great big wall and they were shouting, open the gates, open the gates. And it confused the, the guards so much and they felt so intimidated. They just opened the gates and people were bringing their beer and their champagne and celebrating. And one journalist even said or wrote down that it was the biggest street party that had ever been recorded in the history of the world. And that day, the East and West of Germany was reunited for the first time since 1945. That day, history was made. But now, in comparison, the Palm Parade for Jesus was quite small. People had come out to watch and to celebrate, but that didn't last very long. People quickly changed their minds about Jesus. But Jesus wasn't swayed by public opinion, he wasn't about to change his mission to make people happy. You see, Jesus, he didn't come to tear down a physical wall. He didn't come to tear down a physical wall and, and overthrow the Roman government. What Jesus did was that he came to earth from heaven to tear down a, a spiritual wall. And this spiritual wall was a wall between God and man called sin. So on this day, uh, Jesus is making his grand entry into Jerusalem and the people were so excited because they really believed that Jesus was going to be the one who saved them from the oppressive Roman Empire. And they were getting so excited and they believed that this was the day that Jesus was going to overthrow the government and take his rightful place on the throne. But Jesus had an end game in mind. And this end game was to tear down the wall between us and God. His end game was leading him right towards the cross. Jesus came to be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. So let me ask you, have you ever felt like you're at a dead end? You know, um, maybe you've felt like you um, at the like dead end relationship or dead end a job that you feel, um, how are you going to get out of this? How are you going to move forward? You, you're not really sure what to do. You find yourself in a hard place. But what we're going to do today is we're actually going to start at the end. Good Friday was the end. The end of an innocent man's life, but also the end of sin having power over us. And for that, we can always be so grateful. Easter Sunday, however, is a new beginning. And it's something that we can look forward to. But we have to look at the end before we can look at the beginning. But what Easter Sunday did was it brought new beginnings. It brought eternal life. It brought the beginning of victory over sin. It brought the beginning of being able to have a new relationship with God. Um, but the thing is, we can only have the beginning when we have the end. So we can only have Easter Sunday when we realize that we, that we had to have Good Friday. And so it's called Good Friday, not because um, Jesus 
was happy about what had to happen, not because it was good what happened to Jesus, but it's called Good Friday because it was good for you and for me. And so what I want to do today is I actually want to take us through John chapter 19, where John actually explains what happened the day that Jesus was crucified. And um, what, what happened was Jesus was arrested and he's brought before Pilate. Pilate isn't sure what to do with him, so he sends him to Herod. Herod sends him back to Pilate because neither Herod nor Pilate actually wanted to take responsibility um, for Jesus' uh, death. They didn't want to pass judgment on him. But finally, he ends up with uh, Pilate, and uh, Pilate you know, is, is arguing with the religious leaders about the fact that he believed Jesus was innocent. And eventually, after kind of giving in a little bit, Pilate has Jesus whipped. Um, the Roman soldiers make a crown of thorns that they place on Jesus' head. They put a purple robe on him and they uh, mock him by shouting, Hail the King of the Jews! Hail the King of the Jews! But in all this time, Pilate was trying to convince the religious leaders that this man was not guilty of anything. And um, every time he would take Jesus to the religious leaders, they would just uh, shout, crucify him, crucify him. So I want to read to, to you now from uh, John 19 verse 9. It says, this is Pilate addressing Jesus. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. So Jesus was a volunteer, not a victim. So there we see Pilate had asked Jesus, where do you come from? Because as I mentioned earlier on, between Pilate and Herod not wanting to take responsibility, I assume from this passage that Pilate was actually hoping that Jesus came from another place that he could send him to where they could judge him and decide on his fate. But um, Jesus refused to answer Pilate. And so Pilate got frustrated and eventually addresses Jesus and he says, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you realize I have the power to either free you or crucify you? And Jesus' response just shows exactly um, that what he was doing was not because he was a helpless victim, but he was willingly offering himself up as the Lamb of God. And then Jesus says to Pilate, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. And we can also look at John 10 verse 18 where Jesus says something similar. He says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. So through the middle of this torture, of this judgment, of the whipping, Jesus was still in charge. Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus knew what he was offering up. Jesus was doing it voluntarily. He was in charge. Jesus was then turned over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. And um, we have to realize that in this passage, what we are being taught is that Jesus was not a helpless victim or a misunderstood prophet. Jesus was prophecy being fulfilled. 
if we look at Isaiah chapters 49 to 53, we actually see all the prophecy that was said 750 years before Christ. And Jesus was fulfilling this. He was prophecy being fulfilled. And this wasn't a mistake or a plan that had gone wrong. This was the plan all along. Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus wanted to do it because he loves us. And so um, to go back to John chapter 19, the soldiers now take Jesus to crucify him. Um, they uh, take him up to Golgotha. He's carrying his cross um, until he couldn't anymore. He's collapsing from pain and fatigue. Um, he was probably hungry and thirsty. Um, he's being laid on the cross, hands nailed to the cross, feet nailed to the cross. And then we read from verse 19. It says, Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. Now, what I find so interesting about the fact that the sign was written in three languages is that many people passed by um, this area where the crucifixion was taking place. It was a popular uh, place for people to, to pass by. And being written in three languages actually shows us that um, there would have been nobody who wouldn't have understood what it said because Aramaic was for the Jews, Latin for the Romans, and Greek was everybody else. All business um, was done in Greek um, from all countries far and wide. People spoke Greek, so everybody passing by would have been able to understand what was being said. And so here we can see that the king gave his life for his people. When prisoners were um, going to be executed, they would have a sign made to put it at the top of the, of the cross that would say what their crime was, that would actually let people know what they were guilty of. And the sign above Jesus, as we read right now, just said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. But this was no human mistake on Pilate's part. It's actually amazing. The religious leaders um, were so upset by what was written on the sign because they wanted their truth to be shown. They wanted it to say that this man says he's the King of the Jews. Um, but Pilate would have none of this. And this is his response to the Jewish leaders, to, to the religious leaders. He says, what I have written, I have written. So he was not going to change it. What he had written, he had written. So those incriminating words declared who Jesus was, that Jesus was the King of the Jews, that Jesus is the King. And only a few dare to believe it, but as we know, many things changed after that. And as much as the Roman government and the religious leaders tried um, to work together to, to stamp out uh, who Jesus was, nobody could stamp out the spark of Jesus' true identity. On that cross, that day was a king. And so... I want us to carry on looking at John 19. Um, Jesus is now on the cross. He's been crucified. And we read from verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. 
A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. It is finished means that your debt has been paid in full. And you see, because Jesus suffered the kind of um, death that he did on the cross, Good Friday is a sad day, but it's not a bad day. It's a sad day, but it's not a day to, to be sad. It's a day to actually celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And what he's done for us has allowed us to have forgiveness from our past. It's allowed us to have a brand new hope for our future. And in the message version of John 19 verse 30, it says, it's done complete. I love that. It's so, it's, it's, it's like there's, it's added to it is finished. It's done complete. There is nothing more that we can add to it. Jesus didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. Jesus wasn't saying that, um, that he still had some more to do to make it finished. It was finished and it was the sin and the death that was over us. He had paid that debt in full. He had finished that. There was no more going back. Everything that he had set out to do, he had done. He had fulfilled his purpose. He had paid our debt in full. At the cross, he finished his work. Old Testament prophecy was fulfilled and our debt was paid in full. He had done it all. It was finished. It was complete. And you know, maybe you're trying to earn your way to God. Maybe you're trying to earn his approval. But I want to encourage you today that there is nothing more that you can do to earn your way to God. There is nothing that he wants you to do but just to accept his forgiveness and accept his love. Allow him to love you. There's nothing more that you can add because a finished work is finished. A completed work is complete. Jesus paid totally, perfectly and completely for our forgiveness. So today, Good Friday, we observe the death of Jesus. We remember what he has done for us. You know, the sin that our sin should be killing us, but because of what he did, our sin killed him. I can live with a freedom and a forgiveness because of what Jesus has done for me. And what's so encouraging is that you don't have to get cleaned up before you come to God. You don't have to be perfect before you come to God. You don't have to have it all together. In Romans 5 verse 8, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus didn't just love us. He didn't just love us. He loved us so much that he chose to die for us. And so 2,000 years ago, Good Friday today might have looked like defeat, the devil and all of hell must have thought, that's it, Jesus is done, he is finished. But Jesus was not, was not finished. He willingly offered up himself for us when he said that it's finished. And so to wrap up, I want to just 
share with you for a few moments um, from our own life. And, you know, for me, I couldn't be more grateful as I'm sitting here. I couldn't be more grateful for what Jesus has done for me, that he paid my debt. And when I was 24 years old, I had been living a life that was, um, you know, where I was trying to fill an emptiness with, you know, with, with work and relationships and traveling. I even lived overseas for a while. I tried every avenue that would hopefully self-medicate, that would hopefully fill that hole inside of me, that would hopefully help to make me feel better. But it was all like temporary satisfaction. It only satisfied for a while and then it passed again. And I was such, well, I still am such an independent person. It's something that I struggle to surrender completely. I'm a survivor. I'm independent. I want to make it work myself. I want to make it happen. I don't want to have to rely on anyone. So I really didn't make it easy for God to, to reach out to me. But I'll never forget, um, there you know, were a few things that had happened in my life. And um, my heart started softening and opening um, to this invitation that God had been sort of bringing across my path for quite a while. And I had a, have a friend who had invited me to church quite a few years prior to that. And um, it came to the day where I finally decided that I was going to accept that invitation and I was going to go with her to church. And that invitation led to the invitation um, when God actually asked me if I would enter into a personal relationship with him. And entering into a personal relationship, accepting that invitation, took me onto a path and a journey that has been exciting, that has been um, just amazing to see what God has done in my life. And over the last 21 years of me being on this journey with God, I'm still growing every day. I'm still learning. I've had many challenges. I've experienced losses. I've had heartache. But I'm so grateful that I don't have to do it on my own, that I don't have to try and get over things in my own strength and rely um, on myself alone, but that I can rely completely on God. I can rely completely on the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. And so my life is a testimony, not of a great person, but of a great, great God. And all Jesus asks is that you give your life fully to him as he gave his life fully to you. That's all he asks of us, to give your life fully to him. And what I would like you to do right now is I actually want you to imagine, and if you're comfortable to do this where you are, just uh, close your eyes. And I want you to imagine if we could live every day with an awareness that it is finished. We could live each day with an awareness that we no longer have to strive, but that we can just respond we can just respond to what Jesus did for us, to respond to an invitation to a relationship with Jesus and respond to this free forgiveness that he offers us. Imagine that world. And so what I'd like to do now is I'm going to give, I want to pray for two different um, sets of people. First, I want to pray for you if you've been in a relationship with Jesus before where you've accepted his forgiveness, you've accepted that he paid your debt in full, 
but you've fallen away from that relationship. And secondly, I want to pray for you if you um, perhaps are considering a relationship with Jesus, where you are considering that maybe this is something that you want to do. You want to accept that He's paid for you. You want to accept His forgiveness. You want to accept the grace. You want to accept and enter into a relationship with Him. I'd like to pray for you. And so if you are making either of those decisions today, that's just something that you do by yourself in your heart. And um, I'm going to pray for us. So you can just close your eyes and let me pray. Father, I just want to thank you for Easter. I want to thank you that today, Good Friday, we get to remember and celebrate what you did for us. We get to be reminded of the sacrifice that you made for us. And so right now, Jesus, I lift up every person who is recommitting their life to you and every person who is starting a brand new relationship with you. Father, I pray that you would speak to them, that you would let them know how much you love them and that you have a plan and purpose for their lives that is incredible, something that they would never want to walk away from. I pray that they would know how much you love them. I would pray, I pray, Jesus, that they would know that you want what is best for them. You want to have a personal relationship with them. And so I commit every person to you and I pray your will be done in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that you've been incredibly encouraged today as you've been reminded of the fact that Jesus paid the highest price for us voluntarily. He wasn't a victim. That our King died for His people and that it is finished. Our debt is done. It has been paid in full. Uh, we want to encourage you today to take part in communion. This is a little bit different for you. You're not in church. You don't have little trays uh, being passed around. But I want to encourage you to adapt and to use whatever you have available to you. Maybe you do have some grape juice or wine uh, at home. Maybe you have some, some cracker bread um, or mud sauce. But, but there's no reason why you can't do this. Um, if you literally just want to make use of your lunchtime meal together or your dinner time meal together, if you're alone, then maybe get onto a video call with someone. But what we want to encourage you to do for communion today is to take a few moments. Maybe you even want to go and sit quietly by yourself for a few minutes before you guys come back together. But take a few moments to remember, to reflect, and to respond to Jesus' death and resurrection. And I'd love for you, as a family or friends or on your video call, to express at least one thing that you are honestly grateful for in terms of uh, one of the, one of the, the benefits, the, the implications of Easter to you personally? What is it that you are personally grateful to God for? What a great way to praise Him. What a great way to give Him glory. Praise doesn't have to be a song. Praise is when we give Him the glory He deserves. Worship is when we place worth on Him and where we express that. So I can't encourage you enough to take a few moments to, to be present with God, to reflect and to respond to what Easter means to you and the role that this has played in your life. Just before we wrap up, I want to encourage you, if you made a decision today to begin a relationship with God, uh, or maybe it's something that you've been investigating, please can I get you just to, depending on what device you're on, to scroll around on our menu, on our main uh, webpage, and to just click on the Contact Us page. You'll see a couple of options there. 
Um, if you're making a decision today or you have any questions, we'd love to send you some information on how to start reading the Bible and how to start praying. And if you have some praise reports or prayer requests, again, please send them our way. And finally, if you're part of our View Church Monolithan family and you're wanting to give, then I want to encourage you again on our main web page, there's a giving tab. Some instructions are there along with a snap scan barcode if you want to make use of that. God bless you. Have a wonderful Easter weekend further. Don't miss out this coming Sunday. We're going to be celebrating Resurrection Sunday, 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. And of course, do not miss out on Alpha starting this Tuesday at 7 p.m. God bless you, everybody. has fallen when fear is coming still you're calling me when faith is lost and my hope exhausted you will be my strength when my mind